Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. Heel Tough Blog Podcast, Big Heads Media Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. We are back for another game week. The Tar Heels' second bye of the season has come and gone, and that means that the Tar Heels have hit the home stretch of the 2019 season. They enter at four and five, and will now look to get to a bowl game. So we'll start with uh, this week's opening drive, where uh, we'll discuss the fact that the Tar Heels are currently out of the ACC Coastal race. Um, it, it pretty much it, it, it hindered on one game. Uh, we needed Virginia to lose to Georgia Tech. Um, they had a chance. They had a chance. Georgia Tech played really well against Virginia in Virginia. Um, but unfortunately, the Cavaliers pulled out the victory 33-28. And so that uh, eliminated the Tar Heels. Of course, you know that uh, Virginia Tech also beat uh, Wake Forest, which would have meant that they would have had to lose their last two before they finished up uh, the season against the Virginia Cavaliers. But that doesn't matter now with Virginia winning. So uh, really, you know, with, with this, I, I think what needs to be discussed here is that, you know, even though the Tar Heels are not going to be in Charlotte competing for the ACC championship, this is not something that Tar Heel fans should really be overly distraught about because this was not a place that many people thought we'd see them this year. By the way, my name is Josh. Thank you for the introduction in the podcast Oh, there today. we go. Uh, yeah, no, this is uh, – look, this is why the Virginia game kind of that, – that was their chance to make the Coastal or to make the ACC championship game was if they won that game. We knew that going in because if they lost – 
they were going to need a lot of chaos mm-hmm. and also win their their final two ACC games to yeah. even get to to get to Charlotte. But look, it look it, it sucks because when you're in the moment of of playing for that, you want that. It's year one, and this is a team that won five games the previous two years. Yeah, you're and, right. And and so this was not expected. Um, so they're way ahead way ahead of schedule on the field and off the field in recruiting. Um, and it, the good thing, the good news is, is that you can tell by all their losses, they're close. It's not like right. they are were way off. Like you, like you, like there could have been a chance with how much Larry Fedora left in terms of talent. With there was because there wasn't a lot of talent in certain areas, and because we haven't well, seen them produce. Defensively, yeah, yeah, defensively. You're right. You're right. And, and so that's the that's the thing you're gonna take away from Carolina is they've played every team close and with. You know, depth that's just been yeah. thinning the whole season, especially um, as we've gotten through ACC play. And so they've they've battled, you know, injuries, you name it, mm-hmm. and they've still played every team to the wire. A lot of that is the improved coaching, but also it's just these guys, they've bought in, and their effort is, is at an all-time high. And so the good news is going into next year, there's actually going to be pressure on this team because this team, if they can win two of their final three, it's going to go to a bowl game. Right. Almost everybody of significance is back. You're going to lose some guys along the defense. But you're bringing in a loaded recruiting class. So this team will probably be picked to make the ACC title game next year, which I don't think anyone thought going into year two. It just kind of shows you what Mac Brown has done his first fall in Chapel Hill. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, when you talk about the close losses, it, it definitely hurts because you look at games like uh, Virginia. Virginia Tech is, is the big one where you were so close. If you win that game, it's it's a little bit different. But uh, I agree. I think the Tar Heels are still sitting in a good spot. And you talked about it now. You just have to win two of your last three, and that'll start on Thursday night against Pitt. Tar Heels, of course, as you guys know, are undefeated 6-0 against Pitt since they entered the ACC back in 2013. The most interesting thing about those six games, all six of those wins have been by one possession. So this is a game that has gone the Tar Heels way, but it's been close every single time. The last two meetings that were in Pittsburgh have also been on Thursday night, so it's not like this is foreign territory. Of course, the Tar Heels back in 2015, the Dream Season won 26-19, headlined by the uh, great great touchdown pass from Marquise Williams to Ryan Switzer after he got uh, face masked, still found a way to throw it down the field. And then, of course, the 34-31 win back in 2017, where, of course, Anthony Ratliff-Williams took back the opening kick and Nathan Elliott had the best game of his career. So, uh, that, you know, this seems like uh, it sets up relatively well for the Tar Heels to have success. One thing that's also really interesting in this game this is, believe it or not, the first time in Mac Brown's 31-year head coaching career that he will coach a game against the Pittsburgh Panthers. He has never coached against Pittsburgh at any of his stops, including App State and Tulane. So that's something interesting. So I guess, you know, this is the question that I, I wanted to ask. Do you think that this game will be affected by what has happened over the past few years since Pittsburgh moved into the ACC? Do you think the Larry Fedora success against Pittsburgh will play a factor in this game, or do you think that this is pretty much, you know, the page is turned, now it's, you know, throw all those records out the window. It's it, it's a totally different game. No, it's totally different because you've got, you've got Mac Brown and what the guys are doing now, but also Pittsburgh's a lot better. 
than they have been in years past. I know last year they made the ACC. Went to the ACC championship Basically game last by, year, by yeah. default. But Pat Narduzzi has his team playing what he wants. They, you know, they're they're going to ground or grind the games out, run right. the ball. Their defense is phenomenal, one of the best in all of college football. And so the, the personnel is different than what you have with Larry Fedora. The coaching is different. There's a lot of times we quite frankly should have blown Pittsburgh out, but the coaching staff didn't allow it. That game at Pittsburgh 2015, Carolina had a double-digit lead, got yeah, conservative, yeah. and the game got close for no reason. And, and so – um, I think it plays somewhat of a factor maybe on Pittsburgh's mind just because, you know, they're trying to get over the hump of beating Carolina. But for, for this Tar Heel team, I don't, I don't think it – I don't think, you know, Mac Brown's saying, well, Larry never lost to him, and this is going to be the reason why we're right, not going to lose. Carolina's got to go out there and they got to play well. It's not going to be easy. It's on the road. They're, uh, it's, not, it's not a short week because they've had a bye, but it's going to be, you know, prime time, all that kind of stuff. So if they don't show up and, and perform, it, what they did previous six years ain't going to matter. Well, I mean, look at their defense, like you said. I mean, allowing just 280 yards per game, one of the better defenses in the country. This is kind of what we've been waiting for from Pat Narduzzi, right? This is what he, this was what he was brought in to do at Pittsburgh um, because he was just so successful with it when he was back at Michigan State, and we're finally starting to see it. You mentioned to me before the show that one of your biggest concerns is protecting Sam Howell. That's been a concern all season, but especially in this game because you're facing the number two pass rushing team in the country right now, number two team in sacks in Pittsburgh. And uh, we saw the last time they went up against a team that was ranked highly in the country. That was Virginia Tech, and that was not a good look for Carolina. Yeah, yeah, no, if, if they cannot protect Sam, it's going to be a long night Thursday night. And it's just that simple. They're second in the country in sacks behind the Ohio State. Ohio State has 41. Pittsburgh has 40. So they're they're right there. Mm-hmm. And they, they've got the – the big reason why is because they've fixed the secondary to where they can, they can put their corners on an island. Because they're going to get enough pressure to make the quarterback either get sacked or make bad or make make bad decisions, and they feasted on that. You're right, Pat Narduzzi when he was at Michigan State, that was a top five defense guaranteed year in year out. Mm-hmm. We knew that going in every year. They're going to be really damn good on the defensive side of the football. Well, that was why Michigan State got on the map nationally. Right. was because of that defense with their running game. Right. When he when he took the job at Pittsburgh, it took him a while. To get that, they were having to win shootouts most of the years. A couple of years ago, they had the second worst pass defense in college football. And oh, yeah, yeah, we remember. Yeah, well, well you they, know, they had a back to back years. 2017, they were terrible. And then I believe, weren't they the worst team in the country pass defense wise when they came into that game against Trubisky and, and Switzer, where they both just went nuts? I mean, that, that secondary was god awful. We remember that. And man, we picked them apart that day. So. Yeah, I think you know. I, I think you're right that the fact that they've got it figured out is 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 pretty pretty amazing on on Narduzzi's part because even last year they they really weren't all yeah, that no. great. It's it's huge improvement this year. And so for Carolina, we've seen the offensive line has have its, has its problems. It was very good against Virginia two weeks ago. Uh, Nick Polino figures to play a little bit more in this right, game, right? And this feels like the perfect time for him to be back because you're going to need him Oof. at center, calling the shots, making the adjustment at the line of scrimmage. Not that Brian Anderson hasn't done a bad job, you know. You just trust Nick Polino a lot better. Well, and you can always plug Nick Polino in at that left guard spot where he played, you know, most of his career, and and where right now, I mean, Carolina's just having, you know, their struggles at the guard spots. I mean, look, Marcus McKeithen's played most of the year. Um, you know, it's hard to kind of take him off the field because he's been so effective 
in run blocking situations, but as a pass protector, he just he just hasn't been all that all that great so far this season. But really, none of them have been all that great so far this season. Charlie Heck might be your only guy that's really just still been consistent. The rest of the group has really struggled. Um, and look, I mean, they're going to have to protect him because they've got three guys that right now are over six and a half sacks. There's another uh, guy that has four and a half, three and a half. I mean, you're just seeing all these huge numbers of guys that are getting in the backfield. And I mean, tackles for loss, the numbers are huge as well. It's weird though, because I mean, you look at what they do best. If you look at the statistics, it's their run defense. They're allowing 85.9 yards per game on the ground. That is amazing. That That is really good. Um, and that's, you know, look at this point, is it, is it too far to say that it's strength against strength in this in this game for the Tar Heels? Because it seems like at this point we can call the Tar Heels running game the strength of this offense. Yeah, no, it's really going to be, you know, will versus will. Carolina is going to want to run the football. They have to. You you don't want to put Sam Howell in a situation where you got to go throw it 50 times. Um, this isn't this isn't NCAA 14 where he can pick apart a defense and not run the football like I do. Oh, but there we go. I mean, yep. it's, it's just it's something that – the good thing is, I think Carolina's got a stable of backs that they can have success because you got three guys that you feel confident right. if you hand the rock to, you're going to get yards. Javante Williams, you know, is not going to get uh, tackled at first contact. Michael Carter seems to finally be more confident in terms of finding holes and hitting them. And Antonio Williams, when he touches the ball, it feels like it's always a big play because he doesn't touch the ball a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And that's why it comes back to the offensive line to where they've got to get movement up front because if not, then these guys are going to get – uh, stop short, and you're going to put Sam Howell on a lot of third and seven, third and eights, and that is not going to bode well for you because they're going to load up on the pass rush, and you're going to ask your wide receivers to make plays on the outside, which we've seen that group struggle at at times. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right about that. I mean, Carolina has definitely, uh, you know, they, they've definitely struggled um, with, with, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, look, here's the thing about their running game, though. I mean, there is some concern. Um, with Javante Williams, uh, from from what I heard from last night and really from, from everything throughout the day, Javante is going to play, and he's probably still going to play a lot. Um, you know, we, we saw it when we were, you know, watching. You, you, of course, were watching the game at home, you know, me from the stadium with, with Javante. Um, I mean, he, there, there was definitely something noticeably wrong with him a couple of times after some big carries the other night uh, against Virginia. And so... Um, you know, I think we'll see a heavier dose of Michael Carter than we've seen in the last few games. I feel like he'll probably take the bulk of the carries just to try to keep Javante from taking more hits. Um, but also, I mean, Antonio Williams feels like a guy that's going to be pretty key in this game. Um, you know, I, I, he's a guy that just hasn't received a ton of carries so far this season. Um, but you're right. When he's seen those carries, he's, he's been effective. And so he's going to have to be effective in this game. I, I think, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, they, they've been good so far. But, look, Carolina's done a really good job against some of these teams that have been really good run defense teams. Duke and Virginia, back-to-back, they've ran the ball extremely well against teams that – Coming in, we said, okay, you're probably not going to be able to run on them as successfully as you want. No, they, they ran at will. Even Mac Brown uh, said last night on Mac Brown Live that, you know, he, he didn't expect them to run that well against Virginia. It just it happened, and all of a sudden he said, okay, well, we gotta, we got to keep running the ball. That was what he told, told Phil Longo. But 
Um, you know, one of the things that that's interesting because of you know how well they're able to stop the run. Um, that's going to mean you got to be able to throw the football successfully. But because they get so much pressure on the quarterback, they blitz a lot more. Um, you know, it's going to leave one-on-one uh, coverage on the outside for the Tar Heel wide receivers. Talked about Ziami Brown the last time he was out there. Of course, 202 yards, three touchdowns on six receptions. He had a huge game against Virginia. Against man defense, which he's going to see a lot of against Pittsburgh, you would think he's going to, him and a guy like Bo Corrales on the outside, Anton Green, they're going to have to have big nights if Carolina wants to pull out this victory. Yeah, they've got to make plays on the football. Drops has been an issue for this core. And it's really been an inopportune time. Think about the final drive in the Virginia game. You dropped the, what would have been a fourth down conversion to keep the drive alive. Mm-hmm. You know Sam's going to get the ball to you because he's very good at those kind of situations, putting the ball up for you to go make a play. They've Especially got, deep balls. Yeah, so. they've just got to be strong enough to go make a play. Um, and, and, and when they get a guy one-on-one, um, use a double move or something like that to, to beat him on a route because mm-hmm. these corners, like I said, they're a lot they're, – they're much more improved – and also, you just got to be a lot more quicker because there's not going to be a whole lot of time for Sam Howell. He's not going to have five, six, seven seconds for you to get out of your break. Right. It's going to be two to three seconds. This this feels like a game where you may see the the passing game, which you saw at South Carolina, which was a lot of quick stuff, just get the ball out of his hands because you don't feel like you're going to have that kind of time to, to give some of your long-developing routes to, to, to break open. So And that, that may work in this game. It worked against South Carolina, a team that we had words if we were going to go to pass protect. It worked against Duke. We and it saw worked it against again, Duke. and it was successful. Um, and, and so, and if you do that, then it's going to set stuff up for you to go to attack the field uh, vertically later in the ball game. It's right. just got to be. It's got to be a conscious effort uh, on what you want to do. Well, I mean that you know when, when you talk about getting the short game going, that that means Daz Newsom's going to have to be a big part early in the game. I mean that, that's the guy that I feel like you, you want to get the ball to early. Him, Toe Groves as well. Um, you know, we just didn't see that a whole lot against Virginia. And, I mean, look, the thing is, is they were so successful going down the field that you didn't have to see that. In this game, like you said, the pass rush is at a different level. This this team is, is just getting after the quarterback as good as anybody in the country. And that's with losing one of their best pass rushers early in the season. They're still finding ways to get to the quarterback. So, I agree. They're going to have to get the ball out quick. Um, and, and, and that's another reason why they're going to have to be able to run the ball a little bit better because, you know, if you're coming, if you got these guys coming downhill on these blitzes, one of the better ways to get them, you know, to, to back off the line a little bit and stop blitzing so much is to run those delayed draws that can kill them that we've seen uh, Carolina run so successfully over the past couple of weeks. So uh, we'll, we'll see Carolina with a, uh, a huge matchup against Pittsburgh on, on Thursday night. Uh, and, of course, uh, you talk about some of the guys that will be active or inactive. Uh, Javante Williams uh, will be active after practicing all week. Honestly, it probably seems like the way they were talking, if they didn't have the bye week, he probably wouldn't have played. So that was huge for Carolina to have that bye week when they did. Uh, Javante Williams looks like he'll be good to go. Um, and then, of course, Trey Morrison, Nick Polino, and Miles Wolfolk, all the guys returned in the game against uh, Virginia. They didn't play really significant roles. Uh, Trey Morrison was, you know, he started the game, but really struggled, so they kind of took him off the field. And we didn't really see a whole lot of them. DeAndre Hollins played a lot more uh, towards the end of the game with Morrison subbing in. That's kind of the role that I think we're going to see him in again. 
just based on what we heard from the coaching staff yesterday. A lot of the guys are trying to get back to full strength, but more than likely won't be able to get back to full strength. Maybe until the bowl game when they have, you know, two, three weeks off at a time instead of just a one week. So uh, they'll be limited. Expect them to have some limited roles, be able to sub in, but don't expect them to be back um, in full capacity. As for everybody else, um, you know, they're, they're kind of just where they're, where they're at, you know, with their injuries. Most guys are, are still out. Uh, so unfortunately not getting too much back, um, but still some help. And hopefully with uh, another week or so, those guys um, will be able to play more extended roles as we go along. Game night, low 30s. Uh, do you think the temperature is going to have any effect on these guys? I mean, we saw them play against Virginia. It didn't seem like there was any any issues. I mean, you, you know, you always say, well, it's harder to catch the ball in the cold or whatever. They, I mean, still threw for 353 yards. I don't think there's going to be any major concern, but do you? No, it's football weather. Uh, it's November. It's supposed to be cold. You're going to be up there in the the northeast or whatever region you want to call Pittsburgh. So you just just go go play. I mean, I I get tired of seeing these people complain about the weather. Just just play. <laughs> yeah. Know? Oh no. Yeah. I mean, man. I mean, you know, while I'm sitting on my ass in the in the warm in the point, warm house, yeah. I'm gonna com- I'm gonna complain about them complaining. Uh, but I mean, look, it's you know, I like football in the cold. It's a lot better. You got to see a fun game in Green Bay this past week with the Panthers and Packers playing in the yeah, snow. It is not gonna snow um, in Pittsburgh, folks. So clear night. Uh. And, I mean, look, the last two times we've played them on Thursday night in their place, it's been late in the season, and yeah. it hasn't been a problem before. Right, right. I don't right. think it'll be a problem for these guys. So. Right. Uh, so, Pittsburgh comes in with a 51.2% chance to win, basically a toss-up according to the ESPN-FPI. Um, so, they are taking Carolina to lose the game. The good news is uh, Carolina is projected to win the last two, but let's do our official predictions uh, for this game. Oh, you want me to go first? Uh, you usually always go first because you just decide I'm going to go first, and then you just make your pick. But, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, so the last time I had to pick a game, I had the unpopular pick uh, opinion of picking Virginia to beat Carolina. I feel the same way this week. I think Pittsburgh wins, um, which puts Carolina in a hole of having to win their final two to make a bowl game. Um, I trust Pittsburgh's defense more than I trust Carolina. So I think that's what this game is going to come down to. Uh, I feel this game's going to be a 24-20 kind of ball game. We've seen this Carolina defense at times rise to the occasion and play really well. Then they have games like Virginia where they couldn't stop a, a, an offense that was inept on the road all season long. Right. And, and that's and that's why I'm leaning Pittsburgh. The pass rush, their ability to stop the run, I think it's going to, I'm not going to say overwhelm this Carolina offense. I think it's just going to stymie it enough. I think they'll keep Sam Howell on check as good as any team in the Coastal has all year long to make one or two extra plays and and and, and win a close ball game. Well, we didn't really talk at all about Pittsburgh's offense versus Carolina's <laughs> defense, um, but Pittsburgh's offense is not kind of their Achilles heel. Like, it's not flashy, but that's, but that's what Pat Narduzzi wants. They, they, they're going to shorten the game because they're going to run the ball. I get it. And, and Pickett, right. you know, his numbers aren't great, but he knows, he knows how to win these kind of games. He's won... Uh, he beat Miami two years ago when they were top two in the country. That's pretty much the only significant um, game he's won. Though, he took them to the really ACC honest. championship game a year ago. So he's been around. The the, the Nationals probably isn't going to face him. And, I mean, like I said, their offense isn't great, but you can't trust Carolina's defense to go up there and, and stop them. Well, my biggest concern about them 
like if, if I'm a national person, you know, kind of looking into Pittsburgh, my biggest concern is not the fact of, of, of Kenny Pickett struggling, or which, I mean, you know, he's, he kind of just is what he is. Like, we know he's a guy that's going to make some throws, you know, but he's not a guy that's ultimately going to win you a game. Um, he's a game manager. That's, that's pretty much what he is, and that's fine. My biggest problem for Pittsburgh is in years past, you've always had at least one running back that is going to get you over 1,000 yards. Last year, they had two guys that rushed for over 1,000 yards. This year, they don't have a guy that's at 500 yards at this point in the season. A.J. Davis is their leading ball carrier with 89 carries for 407 yards and just three touchdowns. So that's that's the concern for Pittsburgh fans, in my opinion, if you're going into this game, you know, a team that doesn't run the ball well. And, of course, we've known in the past that's what's hurt Carolina. Now, the thing is, is, you know, how does Carolina's inexperienced secondary match up against a guy in Kenny Pickett that really, you know, hasn't hasn't won many significant games in his career? He hasn't had to be the guy. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, they got a really good wide receiver in Tysir Mack, um, you know, who's, who's had a pretty solid year. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I think, you know, Carolina matches up pretty well with, with Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I, I think this is a game that, you know, when you when you look at it on paper, most people would say Pittsburgh should should probably win, mainly just based on, on the record coming in. Uh, this is a huge game for Pittsburgh as well, because if they win this game, they're going to keep themselves right in the thick of that ACC Coastal race. It pretty much seems like, to me, everybody's kind of cast Pittsburgh off and pretty much made this Virginia, Virginia Tech at the end of the year is going to decide the Coastal. I don't think it's really that easy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with you um, with just, you know, how well they've, how much they've improved defensively. But the thing about it is, is Carolina's just had this team's number throughout all these years. I mean, Larry Fedora, even last year, found a way to beat them at, you know, when, when this team was at its worst. And, you know, I feel like they, they're just not really going to have much of an answer um, for, you know, this this Sam Howell-led offense in the fourth quarter. I think that's what this game's going to come down to. Um, Sam Howell is, is a guy that thrives in the fourth quarter, and I think that, you know, playing in close games for Carolina is going to pay off. I think they pull out a victory. It's going to be very close. I feel like this is probably one of those 21-20 type of games. Like, this this is going to be a very weird game. That's what I'm going to go with as my official score prediction. 21-20, Carolina takes the victory over Pittsburgh. Do you have a uh, physical score prediction? Yeah, 24-20. Do you not listen? I didn't. I didn't hear you say. 24, yeah, I said twenty four twenty. Oh, there we go. So I don't listen. There's there's your answer right there. Um, so I know you're taking Pittsburgh, but if Carolina wins, who's the person that we're going to be talking about on the recap podcast? And Sam Howell is off limits. Cannot pick Sam Howell or Chad Surratt defensively. It's got to be outside the box. Those are too easy. It's uh, our running rule here. I'll go with the law firm. The the running backs. I think as a okay. as a position group, they would have a, a pretty big hand in this win because if they can't run the ball, they're not going to win. It's that it's that mm-hmm. simple. I love mm-hmm. Sam Howell. He's not going to go out there and throw five touchdowns and 500 yards against Pittsburgh. If he if he does, they give as him much the Heisman. pressure as he's going to be under. Yeah, yeah, give him you the might Heisman. As, you might as well put him so, right in the right in the chase. Um, this, My this feels like a game that if the run if, if Carolina wants to win, just. Those backs got to be special. And they've been special all year long at certain times. Duke game, they were a really big part of why they were able to win the ball game, their ability to run the football. Game against Virginia, that's the so, reason they were in it. So, yeah, uh, no, I agree. I agree. 
But also outside the running backs, it would be Sam Howell and Chas Surratt. Yeah, we just we can't um, we can't pick them. Like that's just too easy. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with Daz Newsom. I think you know you talked about having to get the quick passing game going against a pass rush that is as fierce as Pittsburgh. I think Daz Newsom's gonna be your guy that you're gonna have to go to early in the game. I think you know they'll they'll run some of those quick outside you know curl routes or comeback routes um, that that have worked to get the ball out quickly. But I feel like your slot receiver is always your best friend in that in those types of moments. And the other thing I'd like to see, I'd like to see the tight end position come alive a little bit. We haven't really seen that that much this year. We saw it a little bit against Virginia Tech with Garrett Walson. But I feel like if that position can come alive and become that easy safety valve in a game like this, that could be huge for Carolina. So that the, the, that's who I think we'll be talking about. Um, do, you only went with the offensive. Usually, you're the guy that likes to go with the defensive. Do we have a defensive person that we wanted to throw? Um, Aaron Crawford and Strobridge got to got to bring their jockstrap. They were I, I not think, good uh, against Virginia. Um, I think I think uh, Strobridge yeah. will, will bounce will bounce back. That's that was going to be my guy. I think he's going to bounce back because he's heard it. I, I'm assuming he's heard it not only from the media but also from the coaching staff about that performance. And more importantly, Virginia. me. He heard it from that me. That was the media. We were including ourselves in the media. Well, we're trying I, to act like we're media members. We, uh, I, I mean, you, if you consider us media members, thank you. I mean, I personally texted him and told him I need you to show up. So, we're all, we're on that level. There you go. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you, you, you went out there and worked with him in practice, right? Well, I was showing him a couple moves. Yeah, Tim Cross just let you take over. Just let yeah. you take over there. I told him, let me get this work. And then I just showed him. My, oh. I, sh- I taught him what I was taught in eighth grade middle school football. Here we go. Some stuff I cannot repeat on air. Oh, man. I actually know exactly what <laughs> you're talking about from the stories as well. But we will not talk about that because that is not PG-13 podcast. I mean, unless you want to make it an explicit podcast. We're not going to do welcome. that. We've, we've, hit, we, we've come close before. Um, we came close with the basketball podcast <laughs> as well. So we, we, we're, we're opening it up a little bit. I think we're becoming a little too comfortable with each other on this podcast. But uh, it's apparently, hey, people are giving us rave reviews. They're liking the camaraderie between the two. I'm like, yeah, you're liking the camaraderie now, but uh, things could get a little hairy as we're going <laughs> along here. Um, but, yeah, Carolina, of course, uh, kickoff at 8 o'clock. You guys know where it is, all the Thursday night games. ESPN. Uh, Adam Amin, Matt Hasselback, and and we get Pat McAfee, who will be back. Ben Kernan will be getting a lot of love <laughs> on uh, on Thursday night, so uh, that should be great. Hopefully, not too much love, though. Hopefully, the Tar Heels offense uh, is able to play well. You never know. Mac said uh, yesterday during the radio show, he uh, was a hundred. He, he was with us. Um, for the Virginia game, he was expecting an extremely low-scoring battle, and he was like, uh, he was like, "Wow, this is uh, not what I expected." So, uh, who knows? Maybe Carolina comes out. I mean, we've we've seen the last couple of years. This game has been in in the 30s, so you never really know with these two. But uh, we'll see. Feels like it'll be a, a, a low-scoring battle, so both defenses will have to show up. So that will take us to the 40-yard dash as we close down this edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. And so we close it down, and we'll start with uh, 2020 three-star defensive tackle Octavius Oxendine. Um, He was, of course, an official visitor back during the Duke game. Um, He will make his official decision uh, on the first day of of the early signing period. He announced that uh, earlier last week. 
Um, and of course, uh, his decision will come on December 18th. Carolina expected to be one of the finalists, but not uh, the favorite going in. I believe that is, as of right now, Kentucky, Louisville also in the conversation as well. There are a couple other schools, um, but it feels like it's probably the in-state schools. Carolina maybe could sneak in there, um, but the thing is, again, you know, there's just so many guys already committed on that defensive line. Five, six if you count Cayman Rucker, but we're kind of counting Cayman as as more of an outside linebacker type. So, um, you know, that that's one area where we don't really know if the Tar Heels are looking to take on anybody else. Um, but they did have him on for an official visit. And then, of course, that same week during the Duke game, they also had Brandon uh, Swinson, or Braden Swinson, excuse me, um, the three-star strong side defensive end from the state of Georgia on campus. So Carolina might still be looking to take on another defensive lineman in this class. So don't count it out just yet. But again, don't go in overly confident to that decision. We'll, of course, keep you updated. 2024 star outside linebacker Trenton Simpson. Of course, we told you guys that um, you know, we were on a commitment watch. It still is, you know, at this point, we're, we're pretty much on commitment watch with him for, you know, the rest of the early signing period. Um, he told uh, Deanna King, who works for uh, NC Preps, also does some stuff for uh, Tariel Illustrated. She does a great job for them. Um, he told her after the visit that this could go all the way up until uh, the early signing period. And basically what the thinking is is that, this is pretty much based on him wanting to try to get a scholarship offer from Clemson beforehand. Now, we don't know if he gets that scholarship offer. I mean, it seems like at this point, if he gets the offer, he's probably going to shut it down and immediately commit to Clemson. But again, we're not 100% sure. He might just want that offer to, to at least consider that, and then we'll make his decision between Carolina and Clemson. Um, but that is all based on 2025 star inside linebacker Justin Flo's decision. Now, Justin Flo is visiting Clemson this weekend. So if that official visit goes well, a lot of people believe that that could be the uh, basically the final stone uh, in the gauntlet for Clemson, and that would pretty much lock him up. They are only taking on one linebacker in this class. Um, you know, they've, they've got a ton of guys already committed in the class that ranks number one in the nation. So they're only taking on one more linebacker. If Flo wants to go to Clemson, he will go to Clemson. If he goes elsewhere, of course, he took an official visit to Miami, the other team that's uh, really making a push for him because he is out uh, from, from out in California, is USC. Um, but... Clemson looks to be the favorite. You know, Miami is a team that, you know, is, is starting to turn things in the right direction. I think at this point, they might actually be a little bit of a bigger threat to USC, uh, to you, Clemson than USC, uh, because USC, at this point, we just don't really know what's, what's going on with USC. We don't know if they're going to stick with Clay Helton. We don't know if they're going to let Clay Helton go. So, you know, that, that kind of makes it confusing. So right now, it looks pretty promising that Flo will probably go to Clemson when it's all said and done. And that would mean that Trenton Simpson uh, would then be a strong, strong lean to Carolina. And at that point, um, you know, we, we would pretty much be on full commitment watch. And we don't know, you know, then if he's going to host a commitment ceremony like he did back in the summer when he committed to Auburn, or if he would just go ahead and announce it then. So, of course, we'll keep you updated on that as well. And then the other big news, the Mercer game uh, has been set for a 3.30 afternoon kick um, on November 23rd. That's, of course, senior day for the Tar Heels. This will be the first time since 1983 that the Tar Heels will not play a single noon 
or 12:30 kickoff game at home in a season. So Carolina, um, you, you you know th- this is what you guys were asking for. It's worked out very well this season. Mac Brown coming back seems to have had a pretty huge effect. Uh, this is you know a, a team that they want on television and they want them in the afternoon slots as opposed to those early kick times. So. Uh, yeah, that, that that's uh, worked out very well, and of course that game uh, against Mercer is not sold out to this point, but is closing in. So uh, if you can make it out there, uh, it's going to be a great environment to close down the 2019 uh, home season at Keenan Stadium. Every game has been sold out this year. The environments have been unbelievable, and uh, we'll see if the Tar Heels can play in front of another packed crowd to close out the uh, home regular season schedule before, of course, heading to Raleigh the next weekend against NC State to close out the regular season. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Of course, make sure you go to heeltoughblog.com to get all your news on Tariel football. We've got the article up there about Sam Howell where he ranks amongst uh, current Tariel quarterbacks. That's uh, Tariel, excuse me, current NCAA quarterbacks. Um, that's uh, an opinionated article, so of course uh, that doesn't mean that he mean that there's any statistics or anything that are saying this is his exact ranking. But of course, we want you guys to go on, give it a read, tell us where you think Sam Howell ranks uh, at this point so far in his career. Do you see him as a, a top five guy uh, in college football? Top ten, top fifteen, top twenty-five? Wherever you see him, let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys on that. Read the article about Jacoby Criswell. I know there was some concern after he got the offer from Auburn um, there's you know he, he as he told us there's not really a huge reason to be concerned so go back read all of his comments um, and hear what he had to say about that offer and then of course uh, we got the scouting report that is back uh, we were off the previous week um, because I was down in Daytona uh, I was back this past week got to go out and see the youngest guy that we've scouted so far this season in the 2022 class five-star wide receiver Shalik Knotts. So go ahead and read that uh, about his performance in uh, Monroe's final regular season game at home uh, or excuse me on the road against Parkwood um, and read you know what Carolina could be getting if they end up landing uh, one of the better players in the 2022 class. And uh, yeah, so those are the major football articles that are online. Of course, we got basketball articles online that you guys can read. If you want to go back and read um, the uh, my analysis of the UNC Wilmington game, you can do that. You can read Josh's recap of the uh, of the UNC Wilmington game. Uh, what is it? Three things that we learned from the game. There we go. You can talk in this point. This is this is your part, so I was letting you talk. No, it's yeah. fine. I asked you a question. You can you can answer. Uh, yeah. There you go. So yeah, three things that we learned from that game. Of course, we will have the preview coming out. Uh, not only the podcast. Um, which I'll tell you about in a second, but we're going to have the article um, online to preview the Gardner-Webb game. Uh, That should be up, what, Thursday, or are you going to get that out Friday? It'll be up Friday morning. Friday morning. Friday morning uh, will be the preview for that Gardner-Webb game. And then, of course, you guys, uh, we encourage you to go and check out the Roy's Boys podcast. Uh, There is a tab on the Heel Tough blog page for it. Just go up to the top right next to where you find the Heel Tough blog podcast. Uh, tab you can find the Roy's Boys podcast tab and go back listen to our recap of the Wilmington game Um, if you want to go back and even listen to the recap of the Notre Dame game you can do that and then we will uh, have the preview for the Gardner-Webb game going up soon of course uh, it's going to be 
a really exciting time because that's right. Coming up, we got the battle for Atlantis, so we're going to be doing a ton of podcasts uh, and a ton of writing as well. So uh, it's going to be an exciting time. Make sure you guys check that out. HeelToughBlog.com is where you can check out all of that. So want to thank Josh for being with me again here today. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.